0: I'm Alex Mellaris. And I'm Taisei Fu. And we begin this week by celebrating the fact that I won the most recent draft. I was a little bit surprised that I didn't win it by much. I only got 57% of the, the vote share. Uh, but alas, the majority of you voted that I indeed had the correct music team, music, musical instrument team. And uh, you were absolutely right in that judgment. Taisei, what do you have to say for yourself?
1: Uh, I think it's an outrage. Um I was winning at some point, so we should have stopped the count there. And uh, Stop the count. Yeah, I'll stop the count. Stop the count. I was winning like four two. It was it was crazy. I it, it's suspicious, you know. You got you got all these got all these mysterious mail in ballots, all, all voting for Alex at the very end. <laughs> what is this? What is this? This is terrible. But yeah, I, I graciously accept this this defeat and uh because uh, my team low key sucked, so it's okay. We'll get him next time. We'll get him next time. Uh, The
0: Recorder will have its revenge. Oh, yes, of course. I I think we should find a way to somehow draft the Recorder in a future draft as well. Maybe it can be, like, tube-shaped things or whatever, and you will draft the Recorder. Uh, Or or beige objects, and Recorder will go first (laughs) overall. Uh, Anyway, as you may remember from last week's episode, we decided that week one, the team we'd be focusing on, watching their games... Uh, I was the Vancouver Canucks, so that is what we did for the most part. Except last night, uh, we weren't able to watch the Canucks Red Wings, but I just watched a bit of the highlights. Uh, and anyway, I, I noticed uh, here. I'll start. I'll start us off here. So the Canucks season opener was against the Oilers, and I noticed partway through the game, I acknowledged my biases in watching it. My main bias was I was paying close attention to the likes of Tyler Myers, Oliver Ekman Larson, Tucker Pullman— kind of just waiting for them to suck. And to be fair, Tyler Myers did look extremely out of position on that first Oilers goal. It was pretty embarrassing for him, but I think Alex Chaison was was at least partly to blame for that one as well. Uh, And I have to say, especially in that first game, it was pretty hard to judge a Canucks team who we described as having great forwards and very bad defensemen when the Oilers are extremely similar in that way.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. In that in that sense, I am looking forward to just this Canucks Oilers. They guys, they, I don't know how many games they play in a season, um, but it's many. And, and that's perfect because, uh, yeah, it's just maximum chaos. What I gleaned from this week of watching the Canucks uh, and with that last game watching the highlights of the Canucks is that, you know, this is a very, an extremely watchable team. Um, not just, not because, not necessarily because they're a cup contender. You know, at that, at certain points that can get pretty boring. You know, you're winning all the time. It kind of sucks, especially if you're a neutral third party. Um, but no, they give you the bang for the buck and, you know, from, from the Oilers game where they come back and you know, you, you had Mike Smith, you, you know, they're very similar in that respect too. You know, you have Mike Smith who is like chaos in his own right. They're all, they're, both teams are perfectly chaotic. Um, and Mike Smith being great all game and then giving up that flub goal at the end of regulation to tie it up. They go to shoot out. And then the next game, yeah, the Canucks who find themselves in a, you know, late third period two-goal lead, managed to blow it in spectacular fashion, and then uh, well, you know. Weren't they the ones who came
0: came back? Weren't they in the deficit? Against the Flyers? Now they're winning. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Pretty sure. No. I don't Didn't Carter Hart give up that really bad goal late like off the back of his skate or something? Or am I getting mixed up? Because that did, definitely happened at some point in the game.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a hilarious goal, but uh, I'm I'm still pretty sure that uh, they were up for The Canucks were up for two. too. Uh, and then the Flyers came back in the last like three minutes to score two goals. Uh and then that was and then they went to overtime. Let me right, just right, right.
0: Okay. pull up the game to confirm. I'm pretty sure but, you're uh, right. Sorry for spreading misinformation on fusion A and hockey yeah, Podcast. Was, you know, fake news
1: out here. Um but uh yeah, it's the Canucks are so much fun to watch because you know, like it's you have all these, you know, in the defensive zone. They're maybe maybe they, they weren't quite as bad as we had anticipated. Um, but there's still time. There's still lots of time to fall off that cliff. But still, lots of like you know random giveaways, bounces in the you know dudes who don't look like they know what they're doing with a puck, uh, and you know lead up to these scoring chances out of nowhere against the Canucks, and it's uh, it's very watchable. Um, I gotta say, I don't know about that third game, three-one loss to the Red Wings <laughs> couldn't have been too fun to watch. Um, but the first two at least were uh were quality. And uh, another lesson that's not related to the Canucks that we learned is that Carter Hart, it, it doesn't seem to be his redemption season. I thought that was the, the height <laughs> of humor.
0: Yeah, uh, actually, I didn't expect the team to be bad. I just kind of expected the defenseman to be bad. But you might remember, I predicted that they would make the playoffs in our preseason predictions. Uh and I, kind of, I do feel the same way you did, that it's it's, very, it's a chaotic team by nature and that you know, they could explode for a couple goals at any given moment or totally collapse at any moment. Um, similar to the Oilers, and I guess also the, the Leafs to some extent. Uh, one specific player I want to shout out is uh, Vasily Podkolzin, Canucks rookie, because oh, yeah. he seems to be getting the traditional National Hockey League rookie treatment from Travis Green, which is uh, play less than Matthew Highmore. And also score a beautiful goal in one of the games, uh, but continue to see very little ice. Yeah,
1: um, it's it's it seems like it's an endemic um, across the league with these uh, rookies like they they come out of juniors, they've tore it up in juniors and they've got all the scoring talent. And uh, yeah, coach doesn't put him on the ice and he put him. Uh, what is it scared? He's gonna make a defensive mistake. Well, I'm scared Matthew Highmore would make a defensive mistake if you ask me. Um, I'm more so you know. I eh, just I don't know. It's just an NHL coaching thing, and it's uh, until someone exploits that inefficiency, uh, we'll continue to uh, see that kind of shit happen all the time. Even with the Habs, um, we saw like Caulfield's not getting enough ice time, and it's like, well, what are we doing here?
0: Yeah, yeah, man, that one sure would frustrate. Actually, it still does frustrate me. Actually, just because I'm still a, I remain a cold Caulfield fan, uh, and. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. I assume we'll mention the halves later on, inevitably. Um, did you have any other like big thoughts about the Canucks? Because I also was pretty impressed by Thatcher Demko from what I saw of him. I know he did end up giving up four goals to the Flyers, but I'm like, this, which is kind of what I thought heading into the year. I know I don't think you were quite as sure about Demko as like a long-term starting goalie, but. Uh, but I am. I think that's definitely a bright spot on Vancouver, like he like he was for for all of last season. And so that's why, like, I look at like when you mentioned the Canucks being like this agent of chaos team that could you know collapse defensively at any moment. The fact that Demko's there uh, really does make me more confident in them as uh, a, like a potential wild card team, or maybe even getting into to a divisional spot in the Pacific.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they really need a capable starter back there with that defense in front of him. Uh, and if Demko is able to kind of give them that for, for, I don't know, 50, 60 games, um, then I think they'll, I mean, they'll be set. I don't, I don't know how much faith I put in Yaroslav Halak at this point, in his career, uh, especially with the year he had last year in Boston. I think it's little to none. So if, uh, yeah, Demko, they'll really, I think they'll really lean hard into Demko uh, with that defense in front of him. And if he ever falters at one point, this team is sunk. There's there's no one playing
0: well in the back end after uh,
1: if if he's not there, you know.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm not such a Halak believer at this point in uh in his career either. I know he was like a stellar backup for a string of time. But he's 36 now, which you know, thinking back to the 2010 run, it's kind of surprising that he is only 36. Just because I feel like he's been beating around the league for literally forever and he was pretty young in twenty. he was like how old is he 25 26 or so which is pretty young for a goalie uh but it's still kind of still kind of funny that he's he's around you know in the league just just played yesterday uh i have a a question for you about the canucks which is can you name the two defensemen that played on their bottom pair in all three of their games so far oh
1: (laughs) Um, okay, so let's see. It wasn't the top
0: four. Top four was, was was Hughes, Pullman, Oel, and Tyler Myers. Who who was the bottom pair?
1: Right. Did they have Jack Rathbone playing? Jack Rathbone's one of them. Yeah, and the other one was. Oh boy. Um, hmm. who could it be? I don't know. Yeah, who was it?
0: No idea at all. It was uh, Kyle Burroughs. Kyle Burroughs, drafted by the New York Islanders in the seventh round in 2013, 196th overall. He is 26 years old, and last year, he played five games with the Colorado Avalanche, which were the first five games of his NHL career. Now, after the first three games of his NHL career, he's up to, I mean, after the first three games of the season, he's up to eight total NHL games. Uh, He's got... One assist. And his AHL career high in points is uh twenty five. But you know, he is a defenseman. Finally, you know, seems to have really hit it big in Vancouver, beating out the likes of Brad Hunt and Luke Shen and Noah Jewelson for a roster spot. And uh actually I barely noticed him, which is probably a good sign for someone like Kyle Burroughs. And uh the little I've I heard Canucks fans rumbling about him is uh yeah he kind of surprised in the preseason and he deserves to stay in the lineup at least for now
1: all right the spotlights the spotlight's on you Kyle Burrows. to keep that last roster spot on the Canucks defense um I mean good for him he made a smart move going to Vancouver where there's literally nobody above him in the death chart apparently so for that for that bottom line spot for that bottom pair spot so uh nice good 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 career move Kyle Burrows and uh All right, well, maybe he'll be the breakout superstar of the year. Seventh-round pick from
0: 2013. You'll have to see it. Actually, thank you for saying breakout superstar because that reminded me uh, of a message that we received uh, on our Fusion and Hockey Podcast Instagram account uh, asking us to give some love to Karel Vemelka, who we clowned on a bit for beating out Joseph Coronar for that Coyotes backup spot, but then proceeded to be uh, phenomenal in his NHL debut. Uh, losing to the Sabers, which doesn't sound so good when you put it that way, but uh, he made what was it? Something like something like uh, well, he only let in one goal before the shootout, and he had like a nine seventy save percentage in the game. So way to go, Carol Vemelka! After Carter Hunter, Carter Hutton gave up eight goals to the Blue Jackets, and you put in a very an extremely <laughs> solid performance. So it looks like you're the starter now. So best of luck to you. <laughs>
1: I mean, you got it, right? Oh, man, I cannot believe it. Can you believe that Carter Hunt in this day and age is the starter, or was the starter, I should say, for an NHL team, uh, given his performance in the last three years? That's. I don't think we properly appreciated that, to be totally honest. Um, some, somebody A team went went for it. They went for it. They put him as their starter Um, with, with no viable backup plan either. But apparently, Ve, you know, Carol Vemelka. Wait, how the fuck do I pronounce that again? Vejmelka. Vemelka, I think. Vemelka? All right, Vemelka. Really he's uh, he's their backup plan. Now he's their starter plan. So uh, you know, look at, look at that. He made thirty two saves. That's thirty two more than I thought he would uh, heading into that night. So uh, good for him. Good for him carrying that Arizona team.
0: Well, if if Carol V Melka uh, is too good, then he might ruin the Coyotes' odds at Shane Wright, and they'll have to trade him away. So uh, you know that, which is which is definitely the main reason why they picked Carter Hutton as the starter. Because it's like, oh, it kind of looks like we're signing a starter because. He was sort of Buffalo starter for like a year. Uh, and also, he sucks. So it'll be perfect and we will finish in last.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all you need to know about... Uh, well, the uh, the only indication you need to know that the Coyotes are tanking is that they took the Buffalo Sabres reject starter and planted them as their starter this year. Um, so, you know... Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't even call it. Buffalo religion. Sabres.
0: That's uh, true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the bar's low. So, yeah, that's Arizona um still haven't won a game. how many games do you think it'll take before they uh they finally win one what's the uh what's your take there
0: uh that's a, it's a oh, do we want to do the coyotes this week um sure we haven't let's picked the a team yet week. let's do it uh so so let's wager a guess then by looking ahead uh their schedule do you have it in front of you do you see who they're playing this week
1: yep so uh, they're playing the coyotes tomorrow Uh, sorry the blues tomorrow <laughs> thursday they got the uh, okay. oilers <laughs> and um, yeah, if they if they're playing the Coyotes, that's the only way they they they'd manage to find a win somewhere. Um, but somewhere. Uh, Saturday they've got the Islanders, so uh, Blues, Oilers, okay. Islanders. That's the, that's the trio. Not too too hopeful. See, maybe my maybe I don't won't really blow it.
0: See, I don't know what I was expecting when I asked you to read the schedule, but it's like yeah, all those teams are better than Arizona. They'll probably <laughs> not win any of them. <laughs> it's like, yep, yeah, they sure are the underdog right. in every single game this year, except maybe against Buffalo. But I think, I think they'll uh, lose out. I think, well, not. I think they will. Here's my bold prediction: they're not going to win a single game yeah. this month.
1: I um, was just going to ask. That was are, my next question. Are they going to win a yeah, game? Just looking ahead, the, the schedule actually
0: gets yeah, it gets harder after this week. Uh, Florida, then Tampa, then Washington, then Carolina on Halloween. So I think they will start the year with nine losses in a row. And then I haven't even looked ahead to November yet, but they're going to win their first game in November. It's right, so against the Flyers. Yeah, I believe that. There,
1: that's my prediction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see Carter Hart blowing it. Um, another funny thing we yeah we were talking about. I was just talking about Carter Hart earlier. Um, but oh my goodness, it's really become apparent that let, let me see how the Flyers have done aside from that uh, a game against the Canucks. Um, so they lost. They've lost. Uh, oh no, that was the only game they've played. Um, so that, that's one way to start the year. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's become apparent that uh, Chuck Fletcher not not properly addressing the goaltending situation or, or just addressing it with Martin Jones heading into the season was maybe not the right move.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of starting to look like uh, Ron Hextall was right about not rushing Carter Hart to the NHL when he was 20 or 21 years old, uh, but instead they fired him and brought Chuck Fletcher in and Carter Hart, you know, he was he was great to begin with, but maybe he could have. We see now use that extra time in the American Hockey League and, you know, he wouldn't uh, suck anymore. Uh, And I mean, it is as people were pointing out on Twitter when Carter Hart was, you know, playing very poorly against Vancouver that like, yeah, pull Carter Hart. But then you have to put in Martin Jones. And I mean, with how bad Carter Hart was in that game, I don't think Martin Jones could have been that much worse. But someone else mentioned, which I thought was very funny. Like the, the Flyers they must be in on the bit that Flyers goalies always suck, right? Like what other reason would there have been for them to get Martin Jones if not to commit to the gag, the running gag?
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I just yeah, it it's like what what does this team think it is, honestly? Um they're not they haven't totally turned it down. It seems like they're not about to tear it down. Um but you know, Whenever you you sign Martin Jones for any at any point on your roster, it's already a bad sign. When he's your bona fide backup and there's no one behind him, um, it's it becomes a real red flag, I would say. And uh, yeah, it's just the, the goalie situation. Well, now what? You know, the Flyers what are you gonna do? Try to ride it out with either of these guys? Um, there's no one really left on the market. And uh, yeah, now you just gotta stick to your guns, which is, and your guns are Carter Hart and uh, Martin Jones. <laughs> That's quite the arsenal. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's quite the the guns you got there. Uh so now we can talk about the five big contracts signed this week. Uh and I find it's usually is it usually this busy with new deals in the first week of the season? I guess it kind of is. Um, but all but one of these were extensions, uh going they were these players were already going into the last year of their deals. Um signed, you know, almost a year in advance. And if we're going chronologically, it starts with Nick Suzuki who signed a deal that brings him until the year 2030. He's one of a handful of players now that are signed that long, giving him $7.875 million per year, which is a touch over the Andrei Svechnikov AAV. And I was kind of surprised by how high this number was, which is kind of a theme for me. And I think it's a theme for a lot of people that we kind of have to just readjust our expectations on uh, you know, what certain types of players are actually worth. Most people were giving this contract, you know, pretty good reviews, but simultaneously mentioned that Suzuki is clearly not worth this number right now, but will likely grow into it. And, you know, when you sign a guy like this, who's how old is he now? 22, I think only. So still very young. Yeah, he's 22. Sign him for this long. Uh, usually it's with the hope that he'll grow into it and outperform the deal, uh, for, at least some of it, as opposed to a bridge where, you know, if you sign him for two or three years now, at say 5 million, then you might have to pony up significantly more than 7.8 or so for the deal after that. So the idea is you save money in the long run, but, and I am a fan of Nick Suzuki, obviously, but I'm not sold that he'll be able to ever quite live up to this almost $8 million figure.
1: Really? You don't think, like, he's 22, so but you don't think after, so basically if it takes him to 30, it's going to take him to most of his prime. You don't think he'll ever be uh, a borderline $8 million player? Like, I think... I, okay, this, I guess he could, like, but
0: I, I'm not confident enough in it that I'd be willing to decidedly overpay him right now to potentially save on it in the future.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple angles. First of all, I think the, the whole Kotkaniemi situation, it really feels like like, I don't know if they'd say that publicly. They wouldn't say that publicly, but I think it really took a, uh, it kind of spooked them into action. Uh, and I think, you know, I think you didn't have to pay Suzuki this much money this early on. Uh, and, you know, I think there was, they they add, they probably added a chunk of change uh, to get this done, you know, a full year in advance so they don't have to worry about the whole RFA situation and potentially getting poached. Uh, I think Bergman got spooked in that respect. Uh, and yeah, I really think that's taking the toll. And I think that's why we see it done so early. Uh, without really any sort of fuss at all. It just kind of, you know, showed up on the timeline. Um, but uh, I don't think like, yeah, first of all, um, with a guy like Suzuki, who it seems like he's, obviously he hasn't, you know, finished his development yet. He's only like 22. Um, but uh, even at the point he is right now, I would argue that, yeah, it's an overpayment. It's quite the overpayment right now. Um, but with the development track he's on and the fact that, you know, they need this guy, there's like, there's nobody else. Um, that this franchise has going really at center, um, you know, uh, with the promise that he's shown, I don't really have a problem at all with eight years like, um, and it's not anything outrageous either. Um, and it takes you're basically buying out this entire the, the vast majority of this guy's prime, right up until he's 30. Uh, and you're locking him at less than $8 million. And I think for a, potentially a first line center. Uh, hopefully he can like, you know, blossom and really like settle himself into that once he role, which I don't know if he's quite there yet. Um, but, uh, once he does, then I think, you know, I mean, and especially, you know, we keep talking about the, you know, the cap, When's it going to grow. I think by the time this, you know, you hit the back half of this deal, the cap will have started growing after, you know, the, the flat cap era that we're going to have in the next few years. Um, I think, I think this deal is going to, I think, I, I think it's a worthy investment into the future because, uh, well. It's not like the Habs are doing anything fun with their cap space, anyways, uh, for the next few years. So I say dump it into Suzuki, and you know when he's in his prime, he'll be locked in, and you can worry about other pieces then.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm by no means am I a, a hater of this deal, and I do I could very easily see it working out perfectly fine. And it's very easy to rationalize, unlike Matthias fucking Eckholm's new contract <laughs> with the Nashville Predators. You may recall at the most recent NHL trade deadline, um nashville was heavily it looked it looked at least like in february that they were going to trade eckholm and the jets were kind of the front runner there but then as they kind of worked their way back into the the playoff hunt and ended up making it in the last wild card spot and losing in round one uh they held on to everyone and actually bought eric goodbranson at the deadline for a seventh round pick and brandon Fortunato and now uh, you may re- remember in the off season, I just thought of this, uh, because we, we were talking the Victor Arvidsson trade when Nashville traded Arvidsson to the LA Kings for draft picks. And we were like, all right, uh, this is a good step towards a rebuild for the Predators. That's clearly the right direction for them to go in. Arvidsson's a nice start. And then after this, uh, it's, you know, Ellis, Eckholm, Forsberg, et cetera. And then uh, they followed it up with the Ryan Ellis trade not long after that. And we were like, way to go, Nashville, selling off your big players, uh, you know, getting, getting some decent return for them. Uh, and now it seems like they have either had a change of heart or decided that Eckholm's just sticking around for the rebuild till he's 37 years old. And uh, another key part of all this is that Philip Forsberg, like Eckholm was, this is the last year of his contract, so either you trade Forsberg, um, which I think is still the right thing to do, because you're barely, a, you're probably not a playoff team, and you're definitely not a Stanley Cup contender. So get those futures. But then the Ekholm deal makes even less sense, because it's like, why are you committing four more years to this defenseman who's already 32, if you're rebuilding? And of course, you know, if you sign Forsberg instead of trading him, then it's just uh, the same type of stupidity.
1: Yeah, holy fuck! Someone needs to take the keys away from uh, David Poyle immediately, um, because he doesn't have. He, I think he's he's probably forgotten the plan, or doesn't have a plan, or whatever it is. It's not working. Um, because yeah, what the hell are you doing? Sorry. Like, think about think about the haul that they could get for Matthias um for with a prorated less than four million dollar contract um, at the trade deadline. You package that with you know if you decide to trade Forsberg. That's another huge haul. And there you go. You've already kick-started your future. You know, you want to build around and That's fine. And you can just keep adding pieces from there. Meanwhile, instead, you, you pull this shit. And it's so beyond comprehension. I mean, what, there, there's no way this guy's going to be around, that Ekholm's going to be around, or Forsberg for that matter. I, don't, I doubt he'll be around by the time Nashville's next contending window rolls around and they actually have a roster good enough to make the playoffs consistently and actually contend. Um, because yeah, this roster is dog show. We've talked to, we've trashed this roster a lot now at this point. Uh, they're not good. There are not enough good players on this roster and the number of good players on this roster is very low. Um, it's like, you know, you could, it's, it, you can count them all on <laughs> one hand. That's right? a little
0: redundant. There are not enough good players on this roster and the amount of good players on this roster is very low.
1: Yeah, exactly. You got to emphasize the point that the players suck um and uh <laughs> yeah no sign, sign this guy until he's 36 he's already 31 what are you what are you doing this is not even a guy like even for a contending team i'd roast them for signing echo to this contract because it makes no sense like he's a great defender but you know sign until he's 36 that's over six million dollars oh my goodness and then to sign him to a shitty team like this when you could have sold him off so easily at the at the trade deadline um oh my god yeah no he needs to get fired immediately poil needs to get he needs to get out of there um, you know, the only general manager that I've ever had, it's, it's time for that breakup. It's, it's over. It's over. He's completely washed. This is awful.
0: I think we, during last season, we were talking like this has to be Poyos last year, right? Right. But then they made the playoffs. This, this one has to be Poyos last year, right? You, you, it must be. They, you know, they had the, the old, the old arc, you know, they were like on the playoff bubble for like 15 years. They finally made a run, the Stanley Cup final came up short then everything just withered away over the next couple of seasons and now there's nothing left. portal portals got to yeah. be done, right?
1: Yeah, the arc is done. It's like, you know, now you're now you're just it's it's a shitty epilogue is what's going on right now. Everybody's old, the roster sucks, and uh they're going nowhere. There's no more this is story. Is the sequel that didn't need it's, it's, to happen. Yeah, exactly. There's this is, <laughs> and, it's, and it's, it and it never got off the ground. It's never going to get off the ground. Wait, the, the the next chapter was supposed to be when you resell every, when you sell everybody and you rebuild. But uh, you know, they were, they're still writing the first book, and it's like, well, the the, the first book's fucking over, and uh, ended like three years ago. So uh, you know, you know, you look at that contract pay. Oh my goodness, the Cap Friendly is an absolute, it's an absolute train wreck of uh, of you know, obviously Duchenne and Johansson. We've known that for years now, but you know, just it's, there's there's nothing good here, and it's just a bunch of overpaid veterans that won't be around for long, and and then you have Matthias Ekholm. It's like, what is this shit storm?
0: Yeah. Well, moving on to another team that probably won't contend. How about Brady Kachuk's contract with the Ottawa Senators? Uh seven years, eight point two or so. Of uh, there's like the, the minor prorated because he signed like a day or so into the season. Um but I think the average annual value is eight point two zero five seven one four. Uh the value of the entire deal is fifty seven point five million dollars. And I mean they got it done, The I guess. Uh, I don't like this deal for Ottawa. I It's not as bad as the Ekholm contract, but I have a very hard time believing Brady Kachuk's going to live up to this. Uh, he doesn't score much. A bunch of metrics love him, but as people we were pointing out, Brady Kachuk, significantly more than any player in the league, uh, deliberately shoots pucks into goalies' pads for rebounds and stuff, and that really pads his shot totals. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, I guess results in chances uh but he's probably like a a 20 goal scorer or so now and i know just like suzuki he is 22 and he does have room to grow uh but it's interesting to note that basically in three consecutive seasons in the nhl his production has barely grown at all and has been pretty much the same the entire time and it seems like one of the things that was kind of praised about him when he was drafted is that he's already, you know, he plays a mature game that's NHL ready. And it seems like since he's been 18 years old, his game hasn't really changed much. And I just don't think, I know he is like the center's best forward, which is kind of why they were so desperate to get him locked in for a long time. Uh, they wanted to, to bridge him and he wanted the long term. Um, But uh, I still don't really see this deal as a deal that can exist on a team that has Stanley cup aspirations.
1: Right, wait. Did you say, who who wanted the bridge exactly? I thought, was it Brady that wanted the bridge? and the, Brady the wanted the, the bridge, term? yeah.
0: And the Sens right, wanted yeah. long-term. And I think one of the main reasons was Melnick was like, I don't want to go through this again in three years. A contract negotiation? This is a nightmare. I have to commit real
1: money to a player? What a fucking dumpster fire, uh, is what Eugene would say. But uh, yeah, on this contract, it's, you know, I don't know if I'm so down on it as you are. I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's about fair value for, you know, like, potentially. You, you know, I guess, I guess on your end, you don't really see the development arc really, like, moving forward the next few years because of how he's played the last few, and I get that. First of all, yeah, shout out to this guy. He seems like he's figured out his whole the, the, the advanced analytics thing and is using it to pad his stats, and I respect that more than anything. Uh, he, this is next level. uh, But, uh, but yeah, he, you know, like $8 million for a first-line winger, and he's, you know, I think he's established himself as like a solid first line winger. Like, you know, there are worse contracts. He's only twenty two. I assume he's only gonna get better from here. You know, his name his game's not gonna deteriorate all of a sudden, uh, unless, you know, some auto voodoo kind of magic happens. So, you know, at this point, he's probably you know, this is an overpayment by about what, three, three and a half million dollars. Um, but that's it's not it's like at this like with Ottawa first of all <laughs> they need to make the cap floor so it's not like they're yeah. they're running out of cap room or anything Uh and you know if and in, in that sense if they're trying to they've moved their contending window uh, of unparalleled success from you know this season they put it yeah. back a few years well then at that point you know if you have a 25 a year old Brady Kachuk at 8 million dollars it's not such a big overpayment and if you have to overpay these first few years when he's not quite there yet in terms of value I don't I don't have such a huge issue with that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's Ottawa and contract. It's always it's always funny because, you know, you, you, you can feel it. Eugene doesn't want to pay the fucking money every single time. And like, you know, like, what was it, that Dorian quote um, in that press conference after the signings? Like, I've never felt so much power in my life when Eugene told him to go get it done. Um, and it's like, <laughs> LMAO. I guess that's the dynamic in <laughs> Ottawa
0: nowadays. Um, allowing me to negotiate <laughs> a contract with my best forward
1: it's christmas it's christmas out here um so
0: yeah that quote really does leave me really Pierre dorian ever was the gm of almost any other team i think he would kick ass at it and be one of the best in the league i really do
1: yeah i i think he's doing a fine job considering he's had like both hands tied behind his back with this whole financial situation (laughs) so uh
0: yeah yeah i think i think with me it's it's less an issue I take with the contract and more an issue of the makeup of the Sens roster and the fact that Brady Kachuk is the best Sens forward because, you know, a lot of the things Pierre Dorn is saying, is like, you know, he said the rebuild is done, like, this is our team. And it's like, this is, this is the core that's going to lead you to unparalleled success. You got, you know, Shabbat, Kachuk, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, Tim Stutzla, Shane Pinto, like good players. I don't see that as a Stanley Cup core, though. I know they're all very young, and they're going to get better. I don't see that growing into a Stanley Cup core. And the fact that you know, you're committing this much money to Brady Kachuk, and we're like, this is our guy, this is our best player. We're probably going to name him captain pretty soon. And these other guys, you know, Norris, Dusza, et cetera, when they need new deals, uh, we're going to pony up for them. And I just don't really see that manifesting into being a Stanley Cup uh, contending team.
1: Yeah, that's a fair criticism. I think. Um... To call the rebuild over now, it feels premature. Like, it doesn't feel like they have the pieces for a bona fide core. Um, like, is is Brady Kachuk your superstar player that you're going to build? Or, like, they know, think he is, gonna and he's going to
0: have to be for them and if they right. are going to make a deep playoff run.
1: Yeah, in that sense, I guess, you know, like, calling it calling it over now, calling it, you know, putting an end to the rebuild, uh, doesn't make much sense because, uh, you know, as you said, the roster's kind of bad. Like, it's, it's not kind of bad. It's bad. Um, and, they you know, like, notably at the goaltending position <laughs> where they have not figured anything out yet. Um, yes. But uh, just, yeah, it's just, yeah, you're right. I mean, roster construction-wise, you're, you're right to criticize them. I think the contract with Brady Kachuk itself is fine, I guess, in terms of expectations for what he brings to the team uh, the next few years. is uh, I, I agree with you on that one in that, uh, yeah, they're probably putting too much on this. And I, I don't see this. Uh, I really don't see the path to success for the Sens. Um, because I just think their core isn't good enough.
0: There isn't enough talent
1: and I don't trust Melnick with his money.
0: Yep. Uh, next one, we got, uh, Ryan Pulock. Those who've uh, listened to the podcast a while will know I've got a bit of a soft spot for Ryan Pullock, and I'm always happy to see him succeed, even though he is on the New York Islanders. Uh, and he gets a big fat $6.15 million AAV. For eight years, that brings him till he's uh thirty five or is it thirty six years old? So he is going to be uh quite well off at the end of this in in two thousand thirty. And good for him. He really, you know, he's blossomed along with Adam Pellick the last couple of years. An elite top pairing for the Islanders that's led them to back to back conference finals. So uh, way to go, Ryan Pullock.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I I laugh every single time I see that that combo Pellick-Pullock, It's just so funny how similar their last names are um but with uh with with Pulak yeah I think that's a solid deal for him I think he probably could have gotten more if he had like waited a year and tried to test out the UFA market um but you know he's found he's really found a spot in that trot system uh and working with Pelik, they've really created like one of the best uh defensive defensive pairings especially defensively uh and uh yeah they're really good at shutting it down and you know if, if you like where you're at I think you know $6 Six million dollars for eight years is still quite the security at a at a you know six million dollars price. So uh yeah, I can't blame him for maybe taking a bit less than he could have gotten next year, next offseason. And uh yeah, pretty 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 good move on both both sides and uh smart dealing by Lou. I, I can't criticize him on this
0: one. Wanna hear my hot take that I just thought of. All right, let's hear it. Adam Pellick and Ryan Pullock will both be on the Canadian Olympic team.
1: Oh spicy. All right. Yep. I don't know if that's uh, and take. I think
0: that, yeah, I think, uh, well, I, maybe it's not such a hot take. Uh, but I think that you know because the Canada theory shouldn't have any trouble scoring goals at all. Um, that they're going to really like Adam Pellick because he's basically the best defensive defense in the NHL, and the fact that Ryan Pulock plays next to him, to be like, oh yeah, you know, gotta have that familiarity, gotta have that chemistry. You know, just like Chris Kunitz made the team in Sochi, you know, you got to, you know, take the one that's familiar with the one that we actually like, which is a rationale you can agree or disagree with.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I guess. Well, I think Pulak um, has enough talent to be an Olympic defenseman. I don't know for Canada. I wouldn't say he's the sixth best defenseman as Canadian. I do think he's more he, deserving you know. than
0: Chris Kunitz was also.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, in that sense, the comparison isn't too fair to, to Ryan Pulak. But uh, I mean, I think it could be invaluable. You know, if you can shut down any sort of opposing line, especially the Americans, um, by throwing out Pelik Pulak and they've already, you know, figured out how they play together. I think it's a move you could make. Then again, you know, just putting two players because they know each other and they've played with each other, but with a completely foreign system, depending on who their who their coach is going to be, uh, maybe isn't the uh, smartest the moves. Had do. do we know if they've announced the Canadian coach yet?
0: Oh, that's a good question. I feel like they have, but I don't remember. Uh, is John Cooper Canadian? I don't know. Let me. I'm looking it up uh, right now Canadian Olympic team hockey coach, which I suppose I like, like should have Cooper. done in a different Yeah, John Cooper. Yeah. All right. Oh, so, will be there
1: too.
0: Uh, Okay. Okay. I didn't that's really You know, what if they took yeah. Philip Dano also? What if they just put out a penalty kill of like Peleg Pulak, Philip Dano, and Zach Aston Reese or something like that?
1: <laughs> you think they burn a spot on Zach Aston Reese? Is he even Canadian? The defensive, um, defensive
0: stalwart Zach Aston Reese.
1: Yeah, uh, advanced analytics superstar Zach Aston Reese. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I think putting Pulak on the team, if, especially we if have shots in the coaching staff. I don't think like I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'd be like you know, it, it would be it would be puzzling if they played separately. They both made the team, but they didn't play on the same pairing. But I, obviously, I don't see them that happening. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't. That's that's not a terrible take. And I could very well see it happening. And uh Yeah, yeah assuming see, like, though pull- Canada wants
0: to go with like the the right left balance, Pulock's gonna have to beat out one of like Makar, Petrangelo, Dougie Hamilton, Aaron Ekblad, Uh ah, which I guess they could comf- take five righties, but uh it's a tight squeeze. It's a tight squeeze. Competition
1: stiff. Yeah. Competition uh-huh. stiff. Now, I'm looking- I didn't realise yeah. So Pulak made five million dollars on the last contract. If you think about it, he's only getting like Remember- one point two million dollars, so
0: Remember, that contract was actually roasted. We roasted it because the Islanders were in a really tight cap squeeze. And they gave Pulak this, I think it was a one-year deal, or maybe a, no, it was a two-year deal that didn't buy any UFA years and walked him right to UFA. We were like, you've got this great defenseman, and you bungled it so that you don't have the room to lock him up for a long time. And you're being the AAV low and walking him straight to UFA. But uh, I guess they figured it out, got him locked in anyway. I guess
1: Lou scared him into staying. Because um, what I think, yeah, like they really they used all their cap space. One, one wonders if Lou had just signed an extra player, if he could have bumped him down to like five million um, dollars. Been like, sorry, we don't <laughs> yeah. have the cap space. I, um.
0: <laughs> I was thinking about that with like the Pedersen and Hughes contracts, especially because they were represented yeah. by the same agent. It's like, oh yeah, this is simply all the space we have, and you, we need to get both your clients signed. It's like. If, you know they hadn't signed Poolman, then all of a sudden do Pedersen and Hughes have more leverage to ask for more money because there's more cap room and does the lack of cap space uh give more leverage to the team keeping the AAV lower Wow is Jim Benning
1: really just a, a shadow genius uh, with these with this crazy move signing terrible defensemen for four years so he can so he can save a shave uh, he can save a nickel and dime on on the Hughes and Pedersen contracts? That's pretty.
0: You have to ask the question.
1: <laughs> you do have to ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that theory all of a sudden becomes uh, much less credible when you realize that those discounts only come like in five years when Pullman's finally off the books, which is going to be in five yes. years. Um, so <laughs> uh, I don't know if we can put the genius hat on on Jim Bannon quite yet. I'd, I'd hold off uh, and, and see how Tucker Pullman plays
0: these next four years. All right. Well, the final deal we have to mention is uh, the most expensive of them all. Charlie McAvoy signs an eight-year deal, uh, which is actually this is the third eight-year deal that we're bringing up. Um, and it gives him $9.5 per year. So that's a total value of $76 million for 24-year-old defenseman Charlie McAvoy, which at first glance is kind of a wowza situation. But uh, he seems to be pretty much worth it since he's in the conversation for like, best five on five defenseman in the nhl like at this point i might have like makar fox mcavoy could potentially be number three he really stirs the drink for boston now especially considering the fact that the rest of their defense is uh is is pretty shady so he's absolutely worth this number i would say
1: yeah absolutely i mean you look at the other deals that were signed um i mean like look at the, the the four defensemen who have higher cap hits next year Um, it's Carlson, Dowdy, Wierenski and Jones. So I think it's, it's pretty safe to say that, you know, McAvoy's decidedly better than all four of those players. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Boston's right to lock him up for this many years. Uh, I didn't realize he was only 24. So that's, he's got that go. So Boston's got that going for them. So, uh, yeah, only good things. I mean, he's on the power play now, right? So his, his point production is only going to go up. So who knows maybe, maybe he'll win the Norris this year um and uh for, sure. defenseman for nine and a half isn't uh isn't bad at all it's pretty reasonable it's like uh-huh. fair market value i wouldn't call it a bargain but pretty good
0: yeah anytime mcavoy comes up uh my dad mentions in 2017 when the world juniors were in montreal we went to the usa russia quarterfinal semifinal game uh the usa won in the shootout and charlie mcavoy and Caleb Jones were the two defensemen that were constantly on the ice for USA and especially McAvoy played like over half the game. And I think like, like seven of the 10 minutes in overtime. And I remember thinking at the time, like, Oh, this guy's crazy good. And, uh, turns out we were actually, it was uh, my dad also mentioned like, yeah, I remember watching McAvoy. He was a, he was a monster in that world junior game. You could tell he was going to be a star. So, uh, look at us amateur scouts Figuring out that Crazy. Charlie McAvoy might be good, even though he had already been a first-round pick at that point. We figured it out for ourselves. And, uh, yeah, now he's getting that big money. And as for other $9.5 million defensemen, I wanted to point out that Seth Jones so far has been even worse than we all expected him to be. Uh, Mark andre Fleury as well has not been very impressive. I think got yanked in last night's game. Uh, but Seth Jones uh, just uh, made like a couple stinker plays in the season opener and uh has been a non-factor might be putting it generously for chicago and his uh new contract that nine and a half half A V has not even kicked in yet that only starts next year
1: (laughs) oh my goodness you love to see it you love to see it and uh you know chicago who is uh presumably leaning on this guy to take the next step this year yeah i wouldn't see that's what happens when you put all your eggs in the Seth jones basket it does not work out um yeah maybe spend less time on Twitter. But more time practicing, he, he um, doesn't spend time on Twitter. That's his mom. Oh, that's right. All right, he, t- he tells his mo- What does he tell his mom again? What was that? What he was says, that? Thanks, cool? I
0: really don't care though.
1: uh yeah, right. Uh, he just he's just stopped reading those hate tweets that his mom sends him. Um, but yeah, who, who could have seen who could have who foreseen this though? Is that Jones sucking? It's almost as if like most a lot of people had this pinned, um, just last season. So, uh, yeah, couldn't be what me do you know? couldn't be me. Uh, couldn't be us. All right. Yep. All right. Well, what else went on uh, on opening? Uh, what camp? else went on is
0: that I'm looking up, I want to look up Ovechkin's um game log to see exactly how many goals he scored and exactly how many games it's been. Uh, and it is three goals in two games for Alex Ovechkin, which is a pretty incredible pace. I would say over a goal a game the highest of his career. Will he keep it up? I say obviously for sure. Uh, but of course, the fact that Ophi has shockingly started the season off hot has reignited the conversations about will he break Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal record of 894. Uh, not only that, but in his first game, Ovechkin passed, La well, and then passed Marcel Dion for fifth all-time on the list, where he currently sits, I think, at uh, yeah, 733 now career goals for Alex Ovechkin. And uh, the more people talk about it, the more people seem to say, yes, it would appear that unless something goes unexpectedly wrong, Alex Ovechkin is going to become the the highest goal. You know what I'm trying to say? He's going to have the most NHL goals in history. And I imagine that when he does it, he's probably going to go crazy. And in the postgame speech, he's going to be like, like Ovechkin best, Ovechkin most goal, Ovechkin best goals, or something like that. And then Ovechkin retired.
1: Uh, he's gonna walk away Vetch can right retire.
0: <laughs> no no I think I don't think he'll do it right away I think he'll want to get to 900 before he uh he retires
1: okay who knows maybe he'll, he'll maybe he'll do it in the same game that would be crazy um but I'll uh game, yeah. yeah yeah so what is he 160 something away 161 goals away from the Wayne um so you
0: know he's really he's really getting
1: there and uh, how old is he now it's like 32 uh
0: he just turned 36.
1: Oh shit. Okay.
0: Wait, did you well, think did you think he was 32?
1: <laughs> I guess so for a moment, yeah. He is He was drafted in 2004. He's 36. Yeah, yeah he just signed the 5-year deal and we were allowed. like oh, this
0: sure takes him till he's 40, 41.
1: Okay. So yeah, so yeah, I guess now the organization's goal is to get him there. In these next five years, that's what they signed him for. That's his deadline. He's a five-year deadline. It's that contract, uh, and uh, yeah, fuck it. Just like you know, the Capitals are just uh, padding stats. So what is the one organization that should be geared towards padding stats and just one man stats, beating the puck all the time, and uh, you know, get him there as quick as possible before his body breaks. And
0: down. still somehow winning the division anyway, even though you don't care about winning.
1: Yeah, that's the Capital way. You know, maybe it uh, right.
0: may, makes sense why they just turn it off in the playoffs because those the goals there don't count towards this total. And it's like, <laughs> oh, these are basically exhibition games for us. Playoffs? Yeah, what's that? Oh, get- a record that because I'm not close to beating? Who cares?
1: <laughs> yeah, they can't waste any of his uh, his his goal-scoring prowess in the playoffs. That's terrible. What do the playoffs mean? Uh, they mean? They mean jack shit. We're chasing Wayne's record. That's only regular season goals for anyone who didn't understand <laughs> that, so... I would you score goals. It's basically the preseason. Um, it's the postseason. The preseason. It's not the season. So you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <The> p- postseason. <laughs> oh, you mean it's not the season? I sleep. I don't care.
1: Exactly. So looks like we've unearthed the auto the, the Washington Capitals strategy for the last couple years. After well, you know they won their cup three years ago, right? So it's like who the fuck? Yeah, cares exactly. It anymore, so huh? if Obi's not
0: up yet. It would be a different story, but it's like I got my ring. Uh huh. So let's move on.
1: Yeah. So I think I think uh, you know you get old guys like you know you get you get old guys who already have a ring as opposed to you know teams that acquire old guys who are you know are making that one last push for the cup. No, you at the beginning of the season you got all these guys who already have a cup. You know, like yours, Deno Chera types. And then you just vibe for the entire season. You turn it out. Everybody's everybody's tired by the time the postseason rolls around. You know, first round exit. Lose in five. Call it an effort. And come back next year, rinse and repeat. And I think that's you know, you keep the whole gang together. The Washington Capitals in a yeah. few years might be just a bunch of like 37 year olds just vibing every year. You
0: know, I i kind of I respect the Capitals slowly trending towards just older and older uh with each passing year, which I guess is something we're all doing uh in our own personal lives but you know what i'm trying to say which is you know if washington if in like three or four years they've just got you know char still around in the league you know i don't know Corey perry uh who else would there be what's another what's a good example of an old guy with a cup ring who might just want to chill out with alex ovechkin for a while
1: patrice bergeron like if he ever get manages to leave boston
0: um, seems like yeah, I guess he's still nope. too good right now to think of. But, you know, Malkin. Malkin and Ovechkin are friends. Malkin did the last year of his deal. I could see him uh, wanting to go, you know, hang out with Ovechkin, uh, especially if Washington does end up trading Kuznetsov. You know, maybe Malkin will join Backstrom and feeding Ovi on the power play.
1: All right. So, yeah, the Washington Capitals slowly trending more and more into old guys and Alex Ovechkin sideshow, but still managed to finish second in the division every year. And uh, pretty good pretty good vibes coming Uh from the Washington capitals.
0: Every post game interview is going to be a player being like, Oh, back in 2008, when I used to play for the Detroit Red Wings, we had a saying, which is you got to, to Ken Holland's your GM or something like that. It's, you know what I'm trying to say? The trope of people, you know, there was like on the, not the ESPN broadcast, but, uh, I don't there was one one of the broadcasts recently was was saying like oh yeah we want to bring in a bunch of old players to tell fun stories about their times playing in the 80s this is the way to attract new fans and everyone was like no it's not it's <laughs> the wrong thing to do uh but people think like i don't know being personable with stories about i don't know drinking beer after getting eliminated it's the way to grow the game but uh, that was a bit of a tangent from my initial weak attempt at a joke, do you have anything to chime in with now? Honestly, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Uh, after that, excellent that little bit. I think that might have been yeah. my worst bit of podcasting so far. <laughs> uh, uh, I like to think I've gotten better at this. Maybe not, or maybe I'm just tired. Anyway, let's move on to our uh the first standings segment of Hell the yeah. season. Uh, I was telling Taisei before we started recording that I'm pretty sure the standings will stay exactly like this the entire year. I've sorted them by points percentage, which means that we are going to end up with a Carolina-Washington first-round matchup, Florida-Pittsburgh, Columbus versus New Jersey, and Buffalo versus Boston in the Eastern Conference.
1: (laughs) the series we didn't know we needed um buffalo boston we'd love to see it um so yeah that's i guess that's the story we can start off with is that buffalo looks like an absolute juggernaut uh beating great teams such as the arizona coyotes and the montreal Canadiens. and uh yeah this is this is this is definitely the highest we'll see them in the standings all year um but yeah shout shout out to them shout out to craig anderson who managed to play well which is uh a surprise and uh yeah looks like their rebuilds going pretty poorly uh in the in the first stages of the season
0: who's arizona's
1: no buffaloes they aren't they're, they're the tank isn't working oh yes game. yes they're so they're as far yes, as you can be from last for. place this is awful this is not according to the plan
0: yeah craig anderson and dustin tokarski are actually too good uh at being goalies which was not something that we expected to see. I guess maybe now they have to try putting Aaron Dell in in order to secure the tank. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Or maybe trade for Martin Jones. Um, that's, that's a different way you yeah. can do it. Yep, or Carter absolutely. Hutton.
0: Bring back Carter Hutton.
1: <laughs> or Carol V. Melka. Or have we agreed he's too good for that, for, for, for tank duty? Oh, yeah, he's he's too he's
0: good. He's too good.
1: Budding superstar. Um, so, yeah, that's Buffalo. Any other... Any other... I mean, any other initial impressions that you've gotten from
0: these teams that have uh, kind of stood out? You want, do we want to talk about the Habs now? Uh, Yeah, I guess so, because they, uh, along with the Islanders, are the only two teams in the Eastern Conference to have no points yet. Montreal has played the extra game. Three games, zero wins, three goals, two of which were scored by Jonathan Drouin, and one of which was scored by Chris Weidman, bottom-pairing defenseman. Uh this team looks absolutely terrible. Uh destined for no success whatsoever. Obviously the absence of uh Kerry Price doesn't help. Joel Edmondson, Shea Weber, Paul Byron, Mike Hoffman, but I guess uh it goes to show how bad this roster is that I cited the absence of Joel Edmondson as being a bad thing. Uh that uh that maybe they're they're really not that good at all, which I guess we did kind of see coming. Uh, but besides that pretty strong first period against the Leafs in that first game, I did not see them uh, being this bad and struggling this hard to generate any offense.
1: Yeah, they're fucking awful. I mean, I saw tweets like... Uh, yeah, I saw tweets that kind of expressed the same sentiment. It was like, Joel Edmondson is so important to this team or "or his absence has shown that. And I'm like... <laughs> and I just got of laugh at if it. If Joel Edmondson's um, important to your it...
0: team, you probably have bigger problems.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's... That's that's a big yikes um, from uh, yeah the, like you know just nothing seems to be working um, they they can't find to they, they can't manage to find you know generate quality scoring chances it always seems like they're on their heels and they got dominated by the Buffalo Sabers five to one uh, and looked terrible while doing so and it's just yeah I mean I think we all anticipate the Habs would take a step back uh, from you know their crazy run because after all they like in a regular season they wouldn't have made the playoffs last year um, mm-hmm. but. Well, you know what? This kind of this kind of checks out, though. Like, did they get much better? No, they they actively got worse, I would say, because of all the players that they lost. Uh, and, you know, you had Kerry Price not being there, uh, you know, barring how, how, you know, how good you think he is in the regular season. But it's still, you know, he still lost your starting goalie. So I don't think it is such a surprise. I don't think it's a huge surprise that they're this bad. I guess it's just a bit jarring.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I uh I could definitely see this being a year where they really bottom out hard, kind of like they did in 2018. Uh because, you know, I guess Suzuki and Caulfield could maybe get it going a little more. Tofoli, Gallagher, I haven't seen much from them, but I could see things just kind of staying dry all year. Like there's not much to to be excited about with this team. Uh moving on to the Western Conference where our playoff matchups are. Minnesota versus Seattle. St. Louis versus Colorado, Edmonton versus Anaheim, and San Jose versus L.A. So we have all three California teams making the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely going to stay this way the entire season. Um, Yeah, I I mean, out of initial impressions, uh, I don't know if I've had much other than, you know, Seattle won a game. That's cool. Vegas has a bunch of injuries. Uh, to Stone and Pacioretty, notably. Don't know how long those are going to take. That kind of sucks for them, but they should still be able to plow the Pacific. And uh, yeah, only every every team's only won two games. So it's uh, I'm not sure what else to add.
0: Yeah, I actually, I watched a highlight of uh, the Kings beating Vegas like 6-2, and I watched Philip Dano's mm-hmm. score, and I was like, oh, yeah, he kind of looks like he's having fun there in LA. Seems like uh, it was kind of an odd place, I thought, for him to go because of the insane amount of center depth. But watching, I'm like, oh, good for him, you know, on a an up and up team. Good for you, Philip Benno. And actually, my dad pointed this out to me. He was watching the L.A. Dodgers game the other day. That Philip Beno was there. I don't know if he was with another Kings teammate, but I was like, oh, look, Philip Beno is at the Dodgers game wearing Dodgers gear. Good for him. Enjoying the California sun.
1: Yeah, he went there because there's a baseball team there. That's definitely why the reason he left. Um, he was he was tired of not seeing an MLB and an MLB team in his home city um but yeah that's uh good for him good vibes from from philip Dano. uh take your pick right now do you think any of these three teams
0: stay in the playoff hunt right now given what you've seen the california teams yep uh i think la will make the playoffs i'm standing by my initial prediction
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think i called that too uh in our i think i put them like second third uh in the pacific and uh yeah they don't look half bad you know you beat the tires off of vegas like that
0: pretty good start mm-hmm. yeah one win and one loss that is exactly half bad so i would say they do look half bad um <laughs> but anyway <laughs> atrocious <joke>. uh, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to this week's trivia um before i guess i can preface this one which is maybe the dumbest trivia idea I've ever had by saying I'm going to have to use the Zencaster chat for it in order to spell some things. Basically, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to read you two strange words, and they are an anagram of a prominent NHL player's name. Um, The first word is an anagram of the first name, and the last, the second word is an anagram of the last okay. name, and you're going to have, I guess, a minute or so, to figure out which player it is. And this might be extremely right, easy cool. for you; it might be quite difficult. I don't really have a gauge. How does this sound? <laughs> All right, we got some Wheel of Fortune shit going
1: on in Fusion, the hockey podcast, Fusion and Hockey Podcast. All right, sounds good to me. How many you got? How many, how
0: many fun anagrams you have today for us? I got, I got ten fun anagrams. Uh, Ooh. and wow. I came up with them Impressed. on the bus yesterday evening. I guess we'll set the threshold right. at seven as we tend to do. You might destroy it. You okay. might only get like two of these. Who's to say? Let's find out. Right. Is there a time? Limit? Are you ready to
1: begin? Is there a time limit?
0: Uh, yeah, I guess we'll, I guess we'll do a minute. Uh, I'm typing out the first one as we speak and I will also pronounce it and, uh, spell it for everyone. The first one is... Kiam Andrazabi. Andrazabi, A N D J E Z A B I
1: <laughs> Pretty Straightforward to be. I don't know how many players have Z and J both in their name. Um got gotta be <laughs> and also the Kiam is pretty easy to rearrange as Mika. So we're gonna go Mika Zabanajad. Um I Congratulations. didn't Congratulations, actually... the first one.
0: <laughs> starting off with, starting off easy. It.
1: Yeah, that these were not actual words and they were just fucking sounds.
0: <laughs> oh, what well, you thought it I was gonna sense. go through and find actual words that match up with these players? Give me a break. yeah. That's why I was like, right. yeah. When I when I said how many and you were like
1: ten, I was like, oh, that's I'm impressed because I thought I thought you would manage to find ten. Anyways, I don't know why I thought that. Oh god, but, uh, no. I have no makes idea. Makes it long 20, that would take
0: twenty.
1: Me. <laughs> this makes it twenty times funnier. All right, let's go round two.
0: Alright, next up we have Alcy Trespentos. A L S I E T R E S P E N T O S.
1: Oh, this is fucking weird. Um man. I'm just focusing on the first name because uh Celia no. Um hmm. Elias Patterson. Oh, there you go.
0: Yay! Way to go. You got it. Very nice. Very well done. You were two and for Alci- two. <laughs> Killing the anagram quiz. All right. Yep. I now type up the next one. I guess I can pronounce it before I finish typing it. It's Honjanta Ordinu.
1: Honjanta oh, Ordinu. Honjanta Ordinu. Okay. Jonathan
0: Druin. Are oh, you killing this? This is much go. easier for you than I thought it would be. <laughs> I assume at least one or two of these uh, are gonna man. have some trouble, uh. But well, they are not there yet. You're three for three. Long Number long four, run, we have, we have Helicarvomacy, H-E-L-I-C-A-R, V-O-M-A-C-Y. H-E-L-I-C-A-R-V-O-M-A-C-Y.
1: Oh, this one's fun. I oh, it's okay. I see it. I it just it came to me. Uh, we just talked about this guy. Uh, it's a uh, noted Bruins man, Charlie McAvoy. Helicar yep, Vomacy. Are, That's you know what, helicar is almost a word. It's like you could pat, you could tell me it's a word, and I'd believe you. So that's
0: yeah. Beau Macy is kind of a word too. It's Macy I, and with, with two other letters before it.
1: That, that's a bit of a stretch, but uh, I'll give it to you anyways. <laughs> Why not? He came up with two words right. for Charlie McWhir. Look at this guy.
0: Next one, you are four for four, absolutely destroying this quiz. We have Shredding. Onara okay. Balked.
1: Oh boy. Um man oh and a r a r b a l k e d i see he hit me with a double a in the first name to throw me off but in fact they're actually stuck together because onara makes aaron and balka is ekblad so have aaron excellent
0: ekblad. work we're five for five all right this next one i think is the trickiest so if you get this okay. one then congratulations watch it'll take you like two and a half seconds I type it out now. Um it what do you
1: think so? Okay go ahead.
0: Gonal Erutuco G-O-N-A-L E-R-U-T-U-C-O. Okay. This one
1: is kinda weird. Um Oh god, what is that first name? Um Oh Ooh. okay, this one is tricky. Um, <laughs> here you really got me here, Logan Couture. Couture there we go. Oh,
0: he got. He said <laughs> you really got me. Then got it two seconds later. <laughs> Congratulations.
1: Oh man.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Oh uh, Yeah. So this is maybe uh a little bit easier for you than I anticipated, but I think we're having fun anyway. Uh If you yeah. get this next one, and that means you are officially a winner of the quiz. This one is Nocron Lyche Kubel. N-O-C-R-O-N L Y C H E K-U-B-E-L. Nocron Lyche Kubel is how I choose to pronounce okay, it. Is-
1: <laughs> okay, you got the Kubel in there. You're kind of trying to try to hit me with some Ob kubel bait. Um, I just noticed that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I don't know. This one's this one's giving me some trouble. Um Oh croon? You could have just gone with the word croon for the first one. I'm just gonna put that out there. Um oh no. With two, two N's? ends. Yeah, my bad, my bad, my bad. Uh Ron conron. Conron. Yes. That was a like Connor
0: businessman. <laughs> con Connor. <Ron. laughs> You're trying to con <laughs> me. It's conron. <laughs>
1: Oh man, who's Connor what? I, I, I don't what the fuck? Um
0: You have thirty seconds left now, I decided.
1: i okay, I have thirty seconds to find which Connor you're talking about. Um Connor What am I missing? Timmins, McDavid. Um Who is this dude? Oh boy. He's got a cave in his name too, I should be able to Oh man, this is sad. Yeah, I'm blowing it at the goal line here at number seven.
0: Um, all right, your time is up. All right, uh, is it? It's Connor Hellebuck.
1: Oh no. Oh, that's yep. terrible.
0: Oh, that's yeah. terrible. I thought, I thought oh, you'd get that. One. It. And you love I Connor so, Hellebuck. Too. I, even,
1: I even got the first name. Uh, oh, that's embarrassing. That's all that's right, embarrassing. this How next one is my father's
0: game. This next one is by far the easiest, so if you don't get this one immediately, then that's pretty embarrassing for you. Porio thins, P-O-R-E-O, T H I N Z.
1: Okay. <laughs> Alright, I got it. I got it pretty good. It's a Rupe hints. Um you basically gave me the last name. You just moved the T to the front of the word. Um, I sure I, did.
0: I <laughs> uh no honestly when i was going through i was going through players in my head and i turned rupe into porio and i was like that sounds way too funny to pass up <laughs>
1: of course no you got the oreo vibes in there it's perfect yeah, exactly. oreo. You,
0: you could have not put it there all right all right so congratulations you've won you're seven for eight let's Thank go you. through these last two for funsies uh we yeah. have landy crinnell l-a-n-d-y k-r-i-n-a-l dylan larkin excellently done and then thank you landy for our last one we have uh, another one that i assume based on your excellent performance thus far will be somewhat straightforward shampoo hold (laughs) shampoo spelled (laughs) s-h-a-m-p-u-h-o-l-d-m-i-l-n
1: Oh, I think I don't think I'm gonna get it just based on how funny it is that you managed to get the word shampoo in there. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> oh wait, no, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> you just took Hampus <laughs> and you stuck <laughs> <in his head. laughs> at the end. Okay,
0: oh, Hampus Lindholm. Uh, yay! <laughs> congratulations. Would would there have been a, a slighter oh, chance that you got it if I did shumpa instead of shampoo? <laughs>
1: I think so, honestly. But I think I think the laugh value of shampoo is just is up there. It was worth the, it was worth the the easy
0: the easy points. Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad. All right. So congratulations, you have passed the anagram trivia with flying colors. Uh, this was a good one. It was. I think we both enjoyed ourselves. Uh, I might try to do this one again sometimes. But maybe I'll try I'll to make hear. them uh more challenging somehow. And perhaps that's why maybe picking more common first names, because it seemed like for most of these, once you figure out the first names, it, things fall into place pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, so I guess you gotta you gotta go. With, what's what's a good name that you could you could target? Um, Brett. Hmm. Brett. Mike. Uh. Mark. Uh, there aren't th- there are so many Mikes. Yeah, Mark's a good one. Jared. Uh huh. If this was uh,
0: nineteen seventy two, then. Half the players in the league would be Bob, and I would be like Bob, yeah, Bob, and then I would just mix up the last name. I'd be like BBO, B-B-O Bobby or what would, what would be the anagram for Bobby Orr? it would be like uh, Yab Roar.
1: Wow, I'm, I'm sure he would have stumped me back in the 80s with that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. I would. <laughs> not a doubt in my fucking mind. It would have tripped me up beyond compare. (laughs) All right. So yeah, that was good. It was an elite idea. I got to say, um, good shit. Good shit. It was, it was spicy. All right. Um, anything else we want to mention before we head out? It was a, it was a a spicy opening week. Hockey's back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Always glad, uh, when season's back, you know, fun first week next week. We'll be back and we will be subjecting ourselves to three games of Arizona Coyotes content. We're going to get real up close and personal with uh, Louis Erickson and Ilya Lubushkin and Anton Strawman and Karel V. Malka. And we're going to get to know them and what what makes them become so best good. Of friends. Yep. Yeah, gonna become best All of right. friends. Yeah, uh, you become best of friends. Looking good. forward to it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Fusion Hockey Podcast. We will be back next week, as I just mentioned. And you can follow us on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter as well. Our handles are in the description. Stay safe out there.